Welcome to the Breaking Into Finance podcast. My name is Craig Thompson, and this is the open source field guide to help you understand everything you need to know about breaking into finance. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Today, I am thrilled to introduce Chandler Dula to the podcast. Chandler is a recent graduate of Williams College in Massachusetts, a elite, elite, elite liberal arts college in Massachusetts. And after three different internships in finance, he's actually starting full-time in consulting. But I wanted to chat with him a little bit about those internship processes, as well as a club he started at Williams called Margins. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. And a couple of reasons why I wanted to talk to Chandler. One, I think the motivations behind why he started Margins at Williams, I think, is relevant to a lot of people. Um, two, he was extraordinarily, extraordinarily successful at starting from a very low baseline as a freshman coming into college to somehow leveraging kind of, and through COVID by the way, leveraging that into internship opportunities. I mean, this guy manufactured internships out of nowhere. I think he does a really good job similar to my interview with Austin Kipp way back in episode four of starting from a base of not having a lot of access or connections. Uh, into the space and manufacturing a lot of his own opportunities. And so we talk a little bit about his networking strategies and then also some practical tips at the end. So one thing that you know listeners might not be thinking about so much is let's say you get that internship and you're moving to New York uh, or San Francisco for the summer and now you have to figure out the logistics of you know how are you going to pay for rent and where you're going to live and some of that. So we spent a little bit of time talking about the practical realities of being an intern in a city where you don't live. And we'll touch on some of that stuff too. And this is something that I want to actually spend more and more time on. I want to hear from more students and recent grads and kind of hear their voices and their questions and their thought processes. So I'm going to look to weave in a few more of these types of interviews in the coming episodes. Chandler, I'll turn it over to you. I'd just love if you could share a little bit about your background, your experience in school, what you studied, and uh, what what the next step is. For sure, for sure. No, first off, thank you for having me. Uh, this is an awesome experience to be able to, to share with your viewers. Um, but yeah, I'm a proud ETH uh, graduate of Williams College um, in Massachusetts. Uh, I study economics um, with concentrations in science and technology studies and Africana studies. Um, I got there from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, so it was definitely a, a big transition to the cold weather and things like that. But um, ultimately, on campus, you know, I was a member of our men's lacrosse team, uh, was very, very heavily involved in our Black Student Union, Society of the Griffins, other uh, things like that. But um, throughout the years and just learning about finance and the the opportunities in the world of business uh, kind of led myself and a couple of my, my uh, peers to create a club. Uh, it's called Margins Finance Club on campus. And so that kind of all started with a mission of you know, providing individuals from diverse backgrounds and underrepresented groups um, easily accessible opportunities to, to learn and also just practice their skills um, for the various career paths in financial services. So um, I think this this podcast is, is an awesome uh, tag along to that. So really excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you. And a follow up question about that, which is so Williams, I assume, has a student investing club or some other club. I'm curious, you know, for you, you know, could you just talk a little bit more about why you wanted to start margins and what you felt like was maybe unaddressed or underaddressed by kind of like a, you know, whatever the standard, you know, finance club? For sure. Um, so 
got to campus uh freshman year that was fall of 2019 it feels like so far long ago but um you know when I got to campus I had no idea about finance um literally just knew I wanted to do econ and that was probably it um and so being able to talk with the, some teammates of mine who were you know a lot of the, the students typically go into finance or consulting and so uh, they kind of gave me some pointers on that end. So I, I was like, OK, I think this is the the path that I should go on. And so I was looking for some opportunities and things like that. Um, and I think as you'll find with a lot of different schools and who are interested in these type of things, you may need to have some sort of prior knowledge or maybe some sort of prior connection to some groups that you might want to join at first. Um, so it was a little daunting. Uh, I didn't really want to waste anybody's time it felt like if I just joined a club and didn't really have anything to contribute because I had no idea what I was doing there um and so just felt like I wanted another opportunity to maybe like learn but also just have a more safe space and and things like that but uh actually you know after we got sent home for COVID when we came back our sophomore year um a friend uh, my friend Nick actually reached out to uh, myself and a couple other people and was like hey like I feel like there's a void on campus that, you know, maybe some people with backgrounds like ourselves, you know, all of us coming from diverse kind of angles uh, with family members who really were not interested, uh, really weren't, you know, a part of this world and things like that were able to give us pointers before we got to college. Um, and so from that, it kind of grew and grew and grew. And we were uh, like one of three, I think, kind of finance oriented clubs that popped up after COVID. Um, with us being more more focused on, you know, diverse individuals and things like that. So uh, that was kind of how that started. Um, and, you know, along that line, like we wanted to make sure that it was geared towards um, freshmen, sophomore, juniors, because that's like a really, really pivotal time. Um, we do love our seniors, but, uh, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to know it all before you step foot in the club or anything. And, you know, some do deal with money, uh, actual investing and things like that. So we don't deal with um, actual investing, but we love to partner with, you know, real real time organizations who are out there doing the work that we want to do and, you know, have voids that they also want to fill with um, diverse individuals, whether that's from liberal arts backgrounds or even just, you know, in terms of socioeconomic status, gender, whatever it is, um, being able to to be a pipeline for that. Uh, and also a safe space. Uh, I don't think anybody knows at all uh, where, where we're coming from in margins, but I think the foundation is very, very important for people to just want to get their feet wet uh, and not be barred before they really have an opportunity to even discover uh, what they might want to do. So it sounds like you started from, if not zero, near zero coming onto campus your freshman year. But you pulled, just looking at your LinkedIn, like, tell me about the Magnetar internship. Like, what did you do your first year? Because, like, getting a freshman summer internship at, like, a real, you know, like, a pretty reputable, like, notable firm, you, you must have done something right. So just tell tell me what what that first year was like, what what you felt like was valuable that you learned, and maybe a little bit about how you learned it. Oh, yeah, uh, it was definitely a crazy ride. Um, I mean, just how can I even put this? So at Williams, we have kind of, well, before I got to Williams, you always hear about the alumni network, and that's uh, pretty similar for all the NESCACs, really just, oh, there's this 
group of uh, people who have this shared connection to you that are just going to go all out and help you with whatever you want, just because we both wear the W on our chest. So I was like, okay, like that sounds pretty awesome. And that was one of the major factors that led me to Williams. But, you know, my freshman year is when I saw it really in action. And I was like, I, I probably won't see that in action. until like after college or senior year, but it was, it was pretty immediate. And so we have kind of this LinkedIn type thing for Williams students and alums. And so I was able to connect with a lot of people in the industry from that. Um, if you ask my friends what I was doing, probably between December to February, I was on calls like <laughs> all day, every day, just learning from people. Um, and I think that's one piece of advice that I would give out you know, pretty early on is just that you kind of at an advantage when you're at a freshman, sophomore, because people like know that I have no idea <laughs> like what's going on and, and they really want to help me out. And so I think that that was one of the things that helped me out, just kind of like showing hunger, showing a drive um, and just being able to, to be a sponge and just soak up everything that was available to me. Because, you know, like we said before, like coming from, uh, you know, my background, like I went to William seeing it as an opportunity. Like I wanted to make sure that I got everything out of, you know, the institution and my four years there that I could. And so like, I just, I just went hard with that. So all is that to say, went through uh, EFLINK and things like that, talking to a lot of people. We did a winter study course. So um, in January, we we're able to take kind of an exploratory uh, course. And so I took the investment banking course uh, with one of my teammates, uh, dads leading the course. And so that was very, very helpful for me to, we got a little bit of modeling uh, experience, but also just listening to case studies and listening to people in the industry was very, very important because if you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, you you might just infer a lot of things that, you know, it's it's better to just get clear, clear focus on in the beginning. And so after that COVID hit, got sent home, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what anybody's going to do uh, in the world at this point. But another piece of advice I would give is that I was looking on our school's newsletter and they sent out that they were going to have a kind of a webinar, just a little virtual meet and greet from uh, a, a HR professional at Magnetar, um, which is a hedge fund in, in Illinois. And so I was just kind of like, ah, I guess I'll just join and I don't have anything else to do. You know, it's we're just sitting at home and stuff. So listen to the call. I thought it was very, very informative. Didn't know anything about hedge funds or anything like that. I was pretty laser focused in on investment banking. And I thought that was kind of the world of finance, <laughs> like all tucked in one. Um, and it's like every time you learn one thing about finance is like 15 other doors open up to other opportunities. So listen to that. Afterwards, I just I make a point to always send an email to whoever speaks to me to let them know that I you know really appreciated their time and things like that. So just send a little letter, let her know, I, hey, like I'm new to this. I thought it was very important. Um, I'm looking for opportunities, but, you know, would just love to talk further. Basically, she sends a response back and is just like, yeah, like, thanks for attending. Didn't think anything else of it. So, you know, two weeks, two, three weeks later, actually, sitting on my couch and I get an email from like our uh, career guidance counselor. And she's like, hey, like, just wanted to let you know uh, the, the lady that came to speak with us. She just opened up 15 spots at our company and she remembered that you sent her an email and she wants to give you one of these spots. And I was just like, this is insane. Um, because, you know, 
dealing with COVID, dealing with all these things to even get an internship as a freshman uh, virtually, that was like a pretty, pretty big deal. So yeah, that's kind of how I got it. It just kind of fell in my lap a little bit. And uh, we did some really, really cool stuff, some case studies uh, over the summer. Well, um, well, you say you say it fell in your lap, but it sounds like you did a lot of creating your own luck. I mean, um, and there, there are a couple of things I want to double click on there. So first you mentioned, you know, Williams specifically had this like LinkedIn group. Mm-hmm. And did did you but like you were in the group, but then did you just like look through the list of alums and you specifically reached out to so it's like semi-cold outreach. Like they they were in the group, so you kind of knew they were open to someone like you reaching out, but it wasn't like everyone was like posting like, hey, I'm hosting office hours and like here's my like Zoom. No, you like you. So tell me about any like strategy, like for that like semi-cold outreach. Mm-hmm. How did you think about crafting that note? Like, how did you weigh like brevity versus like, you know, explaining a little bit about your background, any tips or tricks for someone who's like, man, I know I'm supposed to do cold outreach, but I'm nervous about how to do it. For sure. Um, And that as a freshman was probably the most nerve wracking part. And so that's kind of why I started with that semi cold outreach, you know, just alums strictly because as a freshman, I was like, what else is connecting us but this school right now? Um, I don't have anything to offer you. I haven't done anything out in the world. So I guess this is all about learning. Um, and so basically how I did it was, you know, just filter, <laughs> filter by occupation. Uh, it didn't even matter what company you worked for. As long as it was in finance, you were probably going to get an email from me. Um, and it made it easy because you know, I always wanted to make it a little easier on myself because we're working hard, like with school, but also having to do this on the side. So, you know, you get you, uh, you get yourself a, a very nice email. Hey, I'm I'm Chandler. This is kind of where I'm at right now in my studies, but very open to talk. Definitely wanted to keep it brief because I I wanted them to to really in- emphasize the point that I wanted to speak with them on the phone, um, and just kind of learn about their career progression from this similar point that we were sharing. Um, and so you're able to kind of tweak that message a little bit so you don't have to rethink and rethink every single time, but, you know, retweak that message, make it fine tuned to each specific person that you're sending it to. So, you know, because you're making it you're making it known that you value their unique experience, even if you do share some common some commonalities and things like that. So that was kind of the first thing. Um Schedule send is is always a uh, a great tool to use. I would say. Um, when when did you schedule the sends for? Now like what time I, or I'm I'm a proponent of I don't like the like the seven thirty eight thirty eight forty five like I like to make it a little fun you know maybe a throwing <laughs> a nine seventeen or like a ten oh eight or something you know to make it seem like you know I'm really up and out of which I am, but you know, you just, I don't know anybody pays attention to that, but I think it's a little fun game to play. Do you have a day um, of the week? I don't have a day of the week. Okay. I, probably should. I, I try to stay away from Fridays Yeah, and, and maybe Monday mornings, but yeah, other than that, I'll, I'll, I'll schedule it out. I think yeah. Tuesday might be the day that I send out the most. <laughs> On, honestly, I, it's something I think a lot about and have no conclusion for, but I agree. Like I like to avoid Fridays because someone might see it and plan on responding, but then forget. And then it gets buried with weekend stuff. And -hmm. I try to avoid Monday mornings because everybody's always trying to play catch up and it's like a busy time. But um, 
anyway. Um, second thing I wanted to ask about is the experience of being on those calls because I've, I've been on those calls and I don't know what percentage of yours were like Zoom versus just a phone call. But when I was doing this back, you know, whatever, 12 years ago, they were all phone calls. Like nobody really had like Zoom. And I felt like I spent all of my time being talked at and all of this jargon was getting used that I didn't know what it was. But I had like, whether it was like my computer, like pen and paper. And I was doing, I felt myself doing a lot of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. uh-huh, mm-hmm. And just hearing all these words that I didn't know what they were. And I'd write them down and then I'd go on like Investopedia or whatever. I guess now I'd probably just go on OpenAI and, and ChatGPT, but just like, what does this term mean? Like, how is it used? And that was kind of how I tried to learn jargon. But I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear what your experience on those calls was like. Any advice you have for someone who's has one of those scheduled and isn't sure quite how it's going to go? Yeah, I mean, I would say the vast majority are definitely on the phone, uh, pretty quick phone calls between 15 to 30 minutes, I would say. Um, my first piece of advice is just breathe, like just breathe before the call. Um, I think, I think it's, it's so easy to get wrapped up and like this person is out achieving a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that you also want to do, but at the end of the day, you know, they're a regular person as well. Sure. They have a lot of responsibility, but, you know, remember that you also bring something to the table, um, and you also have valuable insight that, could help them out but obviously you know we we're in a position to to listen and learn um and just soak everything up because their time is very valuable so that was kind of the first thing I wanted to do didn't want to be too too hyper too aggressive but you know definitely make sure that my personality was shining through and and being personable and just making it seem like it was less of a transactional call but more of just the start of a relationship with this person no matter if this was the only call we would ever have or we would continue to talk for uh years years i mean there's people that i reached out to freshman year who i still talk to and i still consider my mentors um based off you know just a 15 minute call as a freshman so that was kind of the uh the starting point for that i would say have a list of questions because yes, a lot of it is going to be them speaking to you about their progression, um, their kind of pitfalls and and successes and also just some advice. But, you know, I think they do really enjoy if you have a couple minutes at the end, just to hear your own thoughts. And, and I think making your questions tailored, you know, personal, but, you know, some off the wall questions are also cool um just keep a question bank you know on a on a word doc or something like that and every time you know you might want to recycle some of them i think that's a really really cool uh tip that you can use um but yeah i mean most of them were just informational not too much uh technical things which i liked and and at first because it might be like you said like it's a little jarring to hear a lot of stuff that you don't know um but just speaking about hey like this is what i did at school this is this is how i kind of ended up in my career right now um, I always like to ask, you know, people what they, you know, like to see from younger professionals in their own organizations and just people that they've come into contact with, just so I can, you know, understand how I want to model my own, you know, work 
persona and, and relationships that I that I have in the work world for sure. So I think, you know, finding what other people have done to be successful is very helpful. But I also sometimes ask about, you know, pitfalls that they've had and just seeing other people, um, other leaders that they've had in their organizations, what are what is tripping some people up. So maybe I can avoid that. But yeah, make your questions interesting, but don't uh, don't forget to let your personality shine through. I think that's very, very important. So you've had now first you're a freshman, you had your freshman internship at the hedge fund. What, what was that? What was that like? Did you, did you enjoy it? Um, is that, would you want to work for a hedge fund at some point in the future? Is that, is that on the menu potentially or? Um, yeah, I mean, I did enjoy it. It was pretty short. It was only about a, a month and a half, um, strictly because of, you know, COVID and things like that, but they wanted to give us an opportunity to, to kind of get our feet wet. Um, we were doing some like, fundamental credit analysis and things like that. So analyzing a company and, and whether or not we thought that they were going to be able to pay them back on time, which was pretty cool. Um, and it was a company I knew about. So things like that, I think are very, very interesting. Um, I also would say like just the work environment, even from from there to what I did in, in banking felt pretty similar. Um, everybody was very, very driven. Everybody was very, very smart. Um, so I wouldn't shut any doors on any any sort of finance things, uh, even after talking to hedge fund people, private equity people, banking people. Um, I think they all have very, very unique uh, things that they can offer in their respects. But at the base, I think, you know, just having the and I think that that goes back to a different question I like to ask people, especially in hedge funds and private equities, you know, this this mindset of thinking like an investor and, and what that means and how <laughs> what I was missing in the in the points that I was doing. So being able to analyze questions differently from each one of those vantage points, I think was was very helpful in, in what I was saying. But yeah, I thought it was cool. Um I was a freshman working with a lot of other freshmen um too, which was which was nice. So I was able to I think the biggest thing I learned was that was my first kind of presentation to management at the end with our with our project that we did um and so being able to just sit on zoom and see 30 other faces uh four of which were probably c-suite <laughs> um being able to just speak confidently in front of them and present ideas and uh be be open to to criticism and feedback um was very very important uh, i thought that, that that was one of the main pieces that i learned and took with me throughout the rest of my internships yeah, so that's that's a great transition point. So did you were you at RBC the next two summers? Yes, I did um I I did RBC's Pathways Diversity uh program uh my sophomore year. So that was uh that having that Magnetar kind of name on my resume was was very, very helpful and, and helped me to be able to get into the interview, but also provide some pretty unique experiences, especially with everything that was going on at that time, uh, which I think they very, they valued at the time. Yep. And, and so then, so through that, Pat, was that working at a couple of different groups in RBC? Was it all in the investment banking division or tell me about the sophomore internship and then about, you know, junior internship and deciding to go back and all that? For sure. So that was all investment banking. Um, you could apply to different sections of the, of the bank. Um, but I knew I wanted to do investment banking. And so uh, after I got the the offer, um, after that, I was able to kind of voice opinions on what group I wanted to join. And so I ultimately wanted to join M&A. Uh, I thought that was going to give me the the greatest 
kind of foundation um, with modeling exercises, but also just working with a, a wide variety of companies and, and profiles. So I thought that was going to be a very, very informative uh, summer. So at the time, a lot of us thought we were going to be working in person. Uh, that did not happen our sophomore year. We were still virtual. So working at the kitchen table um, and doing uh, a, 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 a pretty stressful job uh, for a sophomore, but you know, we all got through it. Um, and so I think one of the pieces that was lacking, and I'll talk more about that in my junior year, but just having people around you or having the option yeah. to have oh, people man. around you yeah. was very, very like just sitting at my table all day long, working investment banking as a sophomore. I mean, I would not do that again. <laughs> I would much rather have the option to, you know, have a cohort and things like that. And they 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 did have opportunities for us to meet you know, other interns and people that were working there, but it was pretty siloed. And I'm sure that was the case for a lot of different banks at the time, um, just kind of working with our deal groups. And that was pretty much it. But, you know, all in all, I thought it was a very great experience my sophomore year, um, working on a couple of deals, you know, and worked on some in like water, utilities, things like that. But being able to come on and just see how the, the people that you've always wanted to be like or just working in that environment how they function how they get through different problems analyze things uh being able to break stuff down was very very important for me early on um definitely very nerve-wracking to get your first couple tasks uh because you feel like every save every copy paste every formula you put in is just going to be wrong <laughs> and uh, you're just going to cost the company millions of dollars but you know, I I had a couple great mentors just come alongside me and just be like, hey, like we've all been there. Uh, we'll work with you to be able to get the skills to to do what you need to do. And, and that was one thing I thought was very important, especially coming from Williams and, you know, liberal arts. We don't have any concrete access to coursework um, with finance or business or anything like that. So I was really, really coming in fresh um, just with, a, you know, a couple background courses, like you said, the Wall Street Oasis and you know, some guides and things like that. But nothing can really prepare you for doing the real work until you're actually sitting there doing it. Um, and so that was that was just a very, very you know imp important part of my summer, uh, just kind of getting over that hurdle. Also did another project at the end of our sophomore summer, presented it to, um, you know, more uh, C-suite level executives, but also just people in my group that I've been working with and didn't want to let them down. <laughs> and so uh, I thought that was a, a very important piece that summer as well. So after that, uh, I had the option uh, of returning for my junior summer. Uh, I took that. And so was able to kind of relax <laughs> for the for the rest of my uh, junior year um, and things like that. So once we got to the end of, so actually after I accepted the junior offer, I uh, plugged myself in with uh, SEO, um, and so I, I thought SEO was was a leading name, just helping, you know, underrepresented groups and minorities uh, get some really nice training on uh, skills. So I thought I wanted to come a little bit harder in my uh, my junior year. So I was able to pair it with them, did some some coursework, got some more Excel modeling uh, under my belt, and just a little bit more familiarity with the the topics and and also just how to hold and, and function uh, within that sort of professional landscape. 
Um, and so through that, I was talking to a lot of different people. Like uh, they brought on Carla Harris. I was able to speak with her uh, a little bit in a group. Um, I was hearing from just a, just a wide variety of high, high level professionals and, and, and things like that. So and a lot of people that look like me as well. So that kind of gave me a little added boost uh, to, con- to continue to grow and, and, and continue my mindset in that regard. But got to New York this this past summer uh, in person. That was another shock <laughs> being, uh, you know, having to get dressed for real every day going into the office. Yeah, I'm sure you weren't the only one. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think I think all of us were just kind of like, OK, this is this is totally new uh, for us, but also, you know, people getting back into the swing of things. So uh was able to rejoin M&A as well. So I went to M&A both summers uh, and actually was able to work with um, a couple of the people that I worked with the previous summer. Uh, so that made the transition a lot smoother. Um, I kind of knew I, I, I kind of knew a little bit about the project that we had at the end. So I knew kind of how to pace myself. Um, also knew just some of the protocols, you know, how we save files, like little stuff like that is very, very important. Like how to really document what I'm doing to people or letting people know that, you know, th- they're not in the dark of my progress and things like that. And also, um, you know, just how we do all this. I mean, there's very, very little things. And I'm sure you know how to format, how to save, how to th- do things that you think are minuscule, but it makes a big difference uh, to people there. But uh, I think right away, I was able to find some really, really great uh, intern friends. Um, and I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice is just to find those people who you can count on very, very quickly. Because, you know, once stuff starts to ramp up, if you don't really have a good support net or, or, or good people around you to voice opinions and things like that, it could get it could get a little hectic at times. So um, with them, I thought that, you know, they gave me some very, very good confidence you know, to continue to do things. If I don't know anything, I know I can go to them and ask, hey, do you know anything? If, if they don't, then we might be in trouble. But uh, being able to just find those people early, early on. Did a lot of the same tasks, managing data rooms. Um, I think this uh, this past summer, they gave me a lot more, um, a little bit more responsibility. Uh, I, I actually was sending emails to clients and things like that. You know, wow. Just, yeah, I know. Deal. Yeah. But it's like, I literally kind of, oh, I wouldn't say oversaw it, but I kind of helped out in like an NDA process, like, we were working, the associate and I were working on, you know, compiling that stuff. And once he gave me the green light, he was like, okay, you send this email out. And so I was like, are you sure? Like, I don't know. And then, you know, just being able to, and so that was one of the things I really appreciated about, you know, the people that I worked with, um, especially on that deal was that they just really, really took me under their wing um, and were able to give me some stuff that I did not think I thought I was going to be fully behind the scenes, but you know, little by little, they were allowing me to, you know, kind of shine a little bit more. Um, working on bid summaries, um, that was a, a hectic day <laughs> when bid day came through. That was that was something that everyone should maybe experience once they go into that uh, profession for sure. But let's let's talk that about that. It's it's pretty it's pretty insane because you know you're working with the the company that's um, trying to sell themselves to another company, and so. We working with them a lot to really beef up their package and you know just make them very very um, enticing and things like that. And so there's a lot of 
at the beginning, there's like a lot of suitors for for the company. Um, and so they're all we're all trying to get NDAs out there, trying to get first round bids. And there's like different rounds and things like that. But, you know, being able to really gauge uh, interest and in what is real and what is not. I think that comes from the higher levels and being able to watching my MDs actually meet with these people and, and be like, oh, like I know them from this event and we've been talking for years and things like that so it's it's very very personal um i thought that was a, a good thing as well but uh one day i woke up and it was just it was time to go so a lot of people started to submit bids and things like that and so a couple bids you see and you're like okay this we could we could work with these numbers and some immediately you're like uh uh-uh, we're just we're going to need some more or we're going to have to workshop that with you guys um and so i was basically keeping track of all those like what are the different bids we got what are we thinking about that what are they asking for different documents that maybe will help them out with their evaluation so that was kind of my role in the the vdr that was a hectic day because they're coming in you have to supply them with whatever information they want but also turn stuff back to your managers and things like that that they want information from and you're keeping track of all the emails and and just trying to make sure everybody's straight i think that was one thing that i really learned about mna for sure is it's very very process oriented like we are helping the process move along um and that takes form in a lot of different ways um you know, it seems custodial at times, but also like it's like the the meat of the the transaction, you know, being able to first value the company, but then get it done to where we can actually find another company that really wants this and it works out for both parties. Uh, and a lot goes into that <laughs> behind the scenes. But I think at the end, we were, we were pretty uh, pleased and things like that. And, and I, I mean, that was some of the money that gets thrown around, you know, you're sitting watching it come in. You're just like, wow, like maybe one day, hopefully I can put in a bid on something. But um, I think stuff like that was just really, really cool to see such a, at a young age. So that was one of the things that I really appreciated about my time uh, in this summer. And just, you know, I would have never thought I would have been in that position. But being there, having responsibility, being able to see the process move forward, um, I think if you like to see you know, real change happened very, very quickly, very, very fast. And you have a tangible impact on what's going on. I think it was a a very, very great opportunity for that. So you've done your now freshman, sophomore internships. Those are both Zoom internships, right? And now we just talked about the junior internship. You're in person, you're in New York. Well, what was that like? I, so I actually grew up in New York city. So it was very easy for me. I got to live at home. Um, but tell me about all the logistics of like finding a place and like neighborhood. Like, was any was any part of that particularly challenging, or any any advice you give there? Yeah, I mean, it, that was probably one of the biggest challenges I would say, um, especially coming from Georgia. Like, I'd never really lived in this a city city like that, um, and so. Once you get the, the you get the you get the offer and you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm going to New York. And then you realize there's like fifty thousand little steps that you have to take to really make that a uh, make that a reality. Um, and so first we advise like don't wait too long. Um, and I, I I think New York is like really crazy on that. Like sometimes like you have yeah, to stuff wait. pops up like you can't you can't do it yeah. too early either, right? So right, yeah, it's like a weird kind of 
ebb and flow that you just kind of have to be in tune with. I mean, a lot of a lot of my friends did that junior summer got Airbnbs and then some of them got like scammed. Like it wasn't even what they thought it was or they didn't really get the apartment. So they were scrambling like while we had to report to the office like the next day. So that was really, really insane. Um, I lucked out because I was able to do the uh, NYU dorm. So I stayed mm-hmm. on. I stayed on the one, I think it was like Fifth Avenue, I think it's called, Reuben Hall or whatever. Didn't have AC, so that's also one thing you might need to think about Yikes. as well. Waking up at 5 a.m. after you got home at 3 because you're sweating. So that's that's one thing for sure. Um, is that is that easy for people to – like let's say I just got my internship in New York. Like do I just Google like NYU dorms? Yeah, like I, I Googled like student – summer housing um mm-hmm. there's like a couple major i forgot the names of them but i mean it, it so that's another piece though because i was a part of kind of uh that sophomore summer program that was a diversity program so i'm coming in as a junior pretty much as a regular uh candidate but um i could imagine for people who may be coming from backgrounds that don't have the resources to just kind of be like yeah i can I can put out uh, $3,800 real quick to right. NY stay here and I'll wait on my paycheck later. Cause you're it's, paying up front for that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of upfront costs that you have to pretty much count up uh, before you get that first paycheck. And even after you get that first paycheck, living in New York is expensive. So it could be, you know, it's nothing. And it, I'll say that, you know, you're in New York working, so you're not going to be doing a lot too yeah. much uh, every, every day, but yeah, but your $18 sweet green every day is exactly. gonna exactly yeah. <laughs> but that's another thing too. Like you gotta take advantage once you get to New York, like take advantage of whatever perks or benefits the company has. Like if they say they'll let you Uber home for free after eight, I mean if you don't don't, you don't leave have, at seven. <laughs> yeah, don't don't leave at seven. Stay and also, you know, just like I don't know, like getting stuff in your apartment, like that's one thing I didn't have either. And I think that's kind of what um, contributed to me spending so much time in the office was because the NYU dorm, like I didn't really have like a good work from home setup. So yeah, some people- Just like a really uncomfy wooden chair and a cot kind of situation. Like some people could leave at 10, but they would work till two at home. Mm -hmm. But I had to be in the office because that was where the computer and the monitor was. So that kind of contributed to a a little bit of the burnout, too. But I think now, like if you can. And it's tough because that stuff is expensive, too. So, you know, you might only get the computer from the job but not the monitors or the, the mouse or anything like that. And also just having a wardrobe is something, too, like. Even at Williams, something that we do is like give people headshots and and try to give people access to uh, professional work attire drives, stuff like that. Um, So making sure like because one thing about this business is is very relational. Um, A lot of stuff is aesthetic, you know, how you're dealing with a lot of money. So you walking into a a boardroom or whatever, got to look the part. Um, and so, you know, being able and that doesn't mean go out and buy the Gucci belt and things like that. But, you know, making sure that you are able to to look nice and you know work hard, play hard, but, you know, look nice and things like that. So there's a lot of costs that go into that as well. Um, and so making sure that, you know, people understand that beforehand. Um, so, you know, put yourself in the best position to succeed. 
um dry cleaning i mean there's just so much stuff you could talk about in yeah New York. just it's, it keeps it keeps coming it keeps coming yeah about how many weeks into the summer did you hit break even on your so you know you have to outlay money for rent you may, maybe you're like you made maybe one suit or two suits a few shirts ties i guess this is like a um a, a, you know men specific mm-hmm. um comment um maybe like shoes belt like let's say you're like you're out all of that, but you still like, you know, you get paid a lot. You just get paid whatever two weeks, you know, on a two week lag, or maybe you don't get a paycheck in the first week. And it's like, like, so, so is, are we talking like maybe after like six weeks, your break even or eight weeks after you start your break even? Um, See, one of the, another thing to take advantage of as an intern, you're technically I forgot what the term was, but we were getting overtime. Mm. So, that was really where we were making that was where we, you know and it was we had a, a little joke with the analysts like you know you're staying up now but i'm staying up too but i'm getting a little bit <laughs> you right yeah, now you're a little moment, yeah i don't get the bonus but at the moment you know yeah. we're, we're doing pretty well for ourselves so yeah i mean i think once that kind of kicks in and you really start to work and really log your hours and stuff like that you you'll make it back um, but that means you just got to be smart at the beginning. Uh, yeah. It, it really just means you got to plan to be in a hole for a little bit, but these internships are like, especially by internship standards, they're like very high paying in the right. aggregate. There just is this temporary liquidity right. mismatch that you need to need to just be thinking about. Yeah. Like I still have money saved up from my sophomore year internship, yeah. your internship, like yeah. it, yeah. It'll stretch a long way, but just make sure you 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 do a lot of the stuff up front so you don't have to worry about it. Because once work starts, you don't want to have to think about, you know, getting the place. Do I need? Yeah, you got enough on your plate. Yeah, get it early. Awesome. And now fast forwarding, you graduated this spring. And so tell me about, um, you know, full time that you have coming up and kind of how that decision process went. This summer when I finished up, you know, I was able to uh luckily you know did a great job i i hope so uh, but you know was able to secure some um great relationships with people and, and an offer and things like that and so when i went back home i uh, was able to kind of talk it over with my parents and just really sit with myself and just think about the summer and think about everything that you know happened and i knew i had other opportunities on the table as well um you know, like I said, with Williams, a lot of people do go into consulting. And so I kind of was thinking about that as an opportunity as well. So that had never left my mind, even while I was doing finance and things like that. And also my my brother is a consultant um, as well. So, you know, speaking with him about a couple of things was really, really cool to hear about what he was working on. Um, and so, you know, I just had to I had to take a take up the costs, count it up and you know, there are a, the summer was very, very informative, um, very, very helpful in a lot of a lot of you're learning a lot. But at the same time, you know, everybody should know it's a very, very demanding job, especially m a uh, being all on live deals. It can get pretty, pretty hectic at times. Um, you know, a lot of late nights, um, a lot of things like that. But, you know, I think I think people when we start off on the journey kind of understand it you know we work sometimes at school till 2 a.m and things like that and you know get stuff done and I think that helped me out for it but 
you know, you really just kind of have to think about, hey, is this something I want to do for the next two, four, six, eight, however many years? And just be honest with yourself. Like you might really, really enjoy an experience, but it might have run its course. That might have been what it was for you at that moment. And that was what you needed um, for that time. And so also thinking about, you know, people that you've met, you know, how do you fit into the culture? Uh, how are you liking it? What do you think you can provide? What do you think it can provide to you? I think that was one of the things I really also had to think about was, yes, you know, you're relying on the companies to give you employment and work and things like that, but also, you know, exercising your own autonomy in the process and and really making sure that, you know, you, you're spending four hard years at a at an institution to make the best life for yourself don't let it all go to waste just because you want to follow the crowd and things like that but really really analyze you know like what am i learning here what do i see myself doing after this time and things like that so that all goes to say uh i made the decision to not return uh to to banking in general uh, i just kind of left the whole world of it behind at the time. And so it definitely was not an easy decision. Um, I would say because I built up four years up until that point in the world of finance, just talking to all these people and um, learning so much. And I think I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I think it was a very, very formative experience. And um, luckily, I was able to find a, a, a job for consulting. So I'll be working at this company called Carney. Also in New York, so I'm excited to be there. That was kind of my, that was kind of the only thing I knew that I wanted to do for sure. I need to be in New York. Um, that was, that was always been my dream as a child. Um, but my banking experience helped me out a lot in the interviews. You know, once I went to the case studies, which is another uh, beast of uh, interview process, but, you know, being able to analyze kind of business decisions that was already ingrained in me for my two summer, two, three summers. Um, working in finance and being able to just speak confidently about your ideas and and present them in a succinct way, I think that that helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, so I mean that still goes to margins. Like even after I committed uh, to go to consulting, it still was president of margins uh, finance club, and I, I still made it a point to share my contacts, share what I had done. You know, really be real with students. Um, in terms of, you know, where they see that they can value from different experiences and, and not go in blindly, completely blind. Um, and so I think, you know, all of that goes to say, like, it just gets back to the point of just be honest with yourself. Uh, you don't have to continue uh, with things that, you know, may be great or, or other people are telling you that they're great, but, you know, you just really need to sit down and, and, and count up the cost. So now that you've seen sort of both sides, you've, you know, you've done, you've done the banking thing, at least, you know, now three internships and you haven't done the full-time consulting role yet, but it's, it's coming in. Do you, for someone who's, you know, thinking like, Hey, I know that consulting exists and is a thing. I know that banking consultant is a thing. Do you have kind of any rubrics or frameworks for like how you might advise someone to help themselves understand which path is maybe better or right for them? For sure. I mean, I think I had a very unique path because of MA. I think working with just that gravity of deal flow, but also like just being able to see a lot of different sectors was cool. But then 
there's other stuff like I could have been in coverage. Like I could have just worked really with one type of customer and things like that. And so, or client. And um, I think maybe if I was in one of those, that might've been a different experience, but, you know, I had to kind of think about coming on, analyzing a deal, getting the deal done. And that was, that was pretty much it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, thank you for everything. See you later. Um, and so I wanted to kind of get a little bit, like, even with our project that we did, you know, talking about valuing the company and the ideas behind why we thought this company should be valued like that. Then I had to keep thinking, like, I want to know what the CEO is thinking. What What's going on behind the scenes? Why are they choosing this strategy? What is what is going on here? A little bit more deeply into the story behind the numbers. And so I thought, I thought M&A got me almost there to the point. And I think, you know, what I was searching for in consulting was maybe a little bit more of that strategy piece, you know, being able to kind of sit in a room and just brainstorm. I felt like it was a lot similar to liberal arts kind of vibes and Williams-esque type discussions and, and ways to analyze problems. And so that was really, really enticing to me at the time. Um, and just being able to kind of dig deeper into one company, I thought, you know, juggling four different deals at a time was, uh, it, it's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> I would say. Um, but a lot of the conversations I had with consultants, like really focusing in on one project for whatever length of time it is, and then moving on to another one uh, was, was I don't know, I, I thought that was kind of cool to just kind of spend all my energy into that one thing. Uh, I would also say like, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm sure there's different. Um, I think just the people that I met along the way as well, like seeing their hunger and their drive. I thought that was pretty similar across both both groups, I would say. So that kind of I knew I was going to meet smart, motivated people in, in both industries. So that was that was kind of fine with me as well. Um but yeah, I mean, that those were kind of the biggest things that I thought of. I thought of, you know, what is, I mean, for me personally, I thought like, what is the Williams um, kind of network? Where are they at? And a lot of them were consulting. I didn't really have that many people at uh, RBC, especially, but, you know, they right across the street, Goldman had a bunch of people I knew. So um, that was kind of another thing as well. And just kind of, analyzing i guess what you think is right for you and at the time and i thought that was right and i guess i'll figure it out uh, in the next coming months when i start work and uh have to kind of learn everything again uh, i think that will be very very important for me you know in my development uh and i kind of thought about my trajectory of what i want to do like i think it would be cool to end up as a c-suite executive i don't know i don't know if that's where i'm going to be but i think that would be cool so just thinking about you know business school you know uh, a lot of consulting firms will pay for business school so that was also a, a enticing factor as well uh save some money there uh, and be able to kind of go back to school i think i i think i do want to go back to school um maybe take another break <laughs> after working for a little bit uh so i think that was that was also another factor but all that goes is to say you know both excellent opportunities and you know i figured that i'm so young and still so new into everything that can't really hurt going to you know a different side and just seeing it um because you know i have a belief if i really 
want to go back, I can work really hard and continue to to learn and, and grow and be able to have both options as well down the road. So mm-hmm. terrific. Um Chandler, first, I just want to thank you again so much for for taking the time to do this, for sharing your experience with with our listeners. Before we wrap up, is there any other topics that we didn't touch on or any other pieces of advice you you want to share that comes to mind that maybe we haven't we haven't talked about yet? Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I just want to reiterate to the listeners out there and, and people like that to to remember that you know, you bring something to the table. I think that's something I had to continue to tell myself uh, throughout the time is, you know, you're putting in a lot of effort. You're listening to this podcast. You're going out studying technicals. You're doing school. You're, I mean, some people might be even taking care of families and things like that on the side. Like everybody comes from a different angle. Um, And so it's not a one size fit all story for anybody. Um, And so just remembering that, you know, you have to do what's best for you. Um, you want to bring value to the company, you want to bring value to your colleagues, you want to bring value to, you know, other people's lives around you, but, you know, making sure you take care of yourself, uh, whether that's mentally, physically, uh, anything like that, you know, these jobs can be pretty challenging, but I think the reward is, is immense, uh, for people who want to really stay in it and, and find that kind of drive and <laughs> people around you that want to continue to drive you forward as well. Um, and continue to, you know, if you all, if you want to make a club at your school or wherever you want to do it, like by all means, like, please, because a lot of people may not be speaking up because they might feel like I did a, a few years ago. Like, I don't know anything like I can't contribute, but you know, you, you have to just create spaces for people to learn, create spaces for people to come together and, and, and socialize and just, just think about things. You know, it doesn't have to be action, action, action all the time. Like some people just might need to start off thinking, how am I going to do this? What are other people doing? Can anybody help? And asking the question, that's the first piece. That's the first step that we all have to take. Awesome. Chandler, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. For sure. Thank you so much. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to check out our website, breakingintofinancepodcast.com, where you can submit questions, join our Substack to stay up to date on new content releases, and much, much more. We'll see you next time.